0: I think that you have to have a little drive and dedication to the actual profession or else you're just gonna get lost, you know. Um, You have to actively seek out mentors and you really have to dig deep and, you know, decide if you wanna be in education and coaching in the long run or if you don't. You don't play for me like we play together as one. Don't be afraid to contact people that you don't know. Shoot that email, pick up that
1: phone. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the High School Coaches Club. I'm your host, Max Price. So happy to have you on board today as you're preparing for episode 51. If you haven't done so before, please take a second to leave a rating, possibly even a review, especially if you're on Apple Podcasts. And hit that subscribe button no matter what app you're using to tune in. Thanks for joining me, whether it's your first time or 51st time. And I hope you come back again and keep doing so for all of our future episodes and a huge thank you to will and the gang over at netting pros for sponsoring the high school coaches club in addition to the design aspect of facility improvement netting professionals specialize in the fabrication and installation of custom netting digital graphic wall padding windscreen turf turf protectors benches cubbies and so much more obviously baseball and softball are huge markets for them but they have customers in football, soccer, lacrosse, track and field golf courses, and just about any sport you can imagine. They are truly making facilities better all across America, providing high quality products and services to recreational college, professional and of course, high school, facilities, fields, courses, and stadiums throughout the country. You can contact them today by calling 844-620-2707, emailing info at nettingpros.com, visiting their website, nettingpros.com, or by checking them out on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn for all their latest products and projects. They're improving programs one facility at a time. This podcast is also sponsored by Driveline Plus. High school coaching is about effectively identifying and communicating what athletes need to do to improve. Driveline Plus is a growing and ever-changing library of the best information on player development. Members will find how-tos on different baseball technology and the latest research findings from Driveline's lab, along with inside access to Driveline trainers to make sure you can effectively coach your team. Plus, members also get the best discounts that you can find on Driveline training gear. Listeners of this podcast can get $25 off their first year of Driveline Plus by using the coupon code HSCC, that's the letters HSCC, for $25 off your first year of Driveline Plus. Go to drivelinebaseball.com slash plus to learn more. You can also find the link down in the show notes. This episode features Haley Caldwell. She's entering her first year as the head softball coach at El Campo High School in El Campo, Texas, where she also serves as the girls' strength and conditioning coach. Prior to this, she was the head softball coach and assistant volleyball coach at Whitesboro High School, where she had a ton of success. She's a tireless worker who's also a committed member of the Texas High School Coaches Association. You're going to enjoy the nuggets she offers up here. So excited for you to meet her. So let's do it. Let's dive in. It's episode 51 with Haley Caldwell. All right, I'm joined by Haley Cole. Thanks for being on the show.
0: Thank you so much for having me.
1: Yeah, we you know we connected over Twitter a while back, and and then obviously with uh, Coach Brown in episode 49, found out we had another connection that way, and so um, really excited to to bring you on today.
0: Yeah, I'm super excited. I thought that it was so cool that Coach Brown was on this before me, and so I was like, oh my gosh, I know him too. So that was that was really cool.
1: Back in 2016, I saw that you became only the, uh, or sorry, 20, maybe, I think it was 2013. I can't remember what, yeah, I think it was 2016, maybe 2013. Uh, you became only the sixth person in NCAA history to hit two Grand Slams in one inning. Is that true?
0: <laughs> yes, that is that is very true.
1: And uh, a, a record of eight RBI in one inning, right? It's <laughs> insane. Yes,
0: yes. It was, it was crazy because when you're in the moment and you're playing, you don't like you're just in in the zone. And so whenever that happened, I'm pretty sure I let off the inning. And then I hit the grand slam that round. And then I came back around and did it again. And I was like, everyone was like, Oh, my God, you just hit two grand slams. I'm like, wait, what? Like, I didn't even know what was going on. Like, I thought that it was a separate inning. I was just in the game. So that was, that was a pretty cool experience.
1: Were you a home run hitter? Or is this kind of a fluke?
0: I was a home run hitter in the games, but not so much in batting practice. So (laughs) I never, I never tried hitting them out in batting practice. But as we all know, line drives turn into home runs. And so that's how it just kind of happened
1: yeah that's pretty cool what a cool thing to have and that's a record that would be probably impossible to ever break too so you'll probably own that or be tied for owning that record forever because I don't know how anybody could get to three grand slams or even nine RBI would be one incredible inning for an offense that's for sure
0: yeah I hope someone breaks it up though that would be really neat (laughs)
1: It would be cool. So take me back then to your own to your own high school experience. Um, Where did you go to high school? What sports did you play? Um, what was your kind of overall high school experience like?
0: So I played softball at SNS High School in North Texas, and it was a little three A school. I um, started out my freshman year on varsity as um, a shortstop, and that was just. The consensus from there I was just a starting short shot uh, for the next four years and we had a great team all of our team played select well together um, we were just we were just naturally talented um, we my junior year we went, um, or I think it was sophomore year, I can't remember, state 08. So 2000, that was our saying, state 08. That's how I remember it. In 2008, we went to the state tournament. And um, unfortunately, we lost one to nothing. But that was the first year in school history that they had ever been a state in softball. So Mm. uh, that was a really cool experience kind of as a sophomore to see like, hey, like, we're pretty good. You know, like we're standing, setting the standard for the the future of, you know, SNS softball. And, you know, since then they've been really good, you know, so, but my senior year I tore my hamstring, so I didn't get to play out that year. Yeah. So that was brutal.
1: Dang. Yeah. That's rough. I, I, I just, you, you know, high school is such a funny time because you only have four years. And for a lot of people, their senior years when everything kind of comes together so to lose out on that year obviously now looking back it's probably not that big of a deal but at the time was that pretty devastating
0: oh yeah for sure I actually did I was a multi-sport athlete I played almost everything I think the only sport that I didn't do was tennis and powerlifting so I was softball year round I played basketball volleyball competitive cheerleading cheerleading for the school FFA track golf i Pretty much kind of did it all, but I actually tore my hamstring running a uh, regional uh, warm-up meet for track. So, needless to say, my softball coach was not too happy whenever that happened. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no kidding. So, then let's dive in. So, how did you get into coaching? Is that something that you knew you wanted to do when you were in high school, or did this come along later?
0: Um. So, sports has always been the one thing that has just been... Um, Always in my life, and I, I just got to thinking, you know, what what would my life be without sports? And I honestly don't know what I would do without it. And so, whenever I got to college, I obviously played college ball, and I just kind of fell into it. Like I didn't know what else to do, and I was like, well, what am I good at? Okay, sports, you know, like, and that's (laughs) just how it went. (laughs) And so, next thing I know, I was majoring in kinesiology, and you know, minoring in education, and. I did. It didn't really take too much thought. Honestly, I was like, okay, well, I'm going to do coaching, you know?
1: Well, yeah, sure. I think a lot of us end up like that, where, uh, kind of like you're saying, like sports is what we know and what we, what we're good at. And so coaching becomes a natural thing. Did you, was your plan at that point always to be at the high school level or did you have college aspirations?
0: I do and still do have college aspirations, but right now I feel like my calling is to give back to the high school community. Um, I, I love the idea of eventually maybe soon being a um, assistant softball coach in college, but you know, like I have other career aspirations right now at the high school level. So yeah, that's, that's a dream, like for sure.
1: Yeah. Well, and I, and just looking at your playing history, you attended and played softball for, it looks like, three different colleges and universities. So it kind of gives you a good background of um, probably having experienced different types of coaches at each of those three stops.
0: Oh, for sure. You know, I I didn't intend on that to, you know, go to three different schools, but everyone has their (laughs) own (laughs) journey, you know, and and if I can if I can just, just roll with it, you know, if I could tell anybody, you know, if you find yourself transferring out, just roll with it, you know, uh, be able to react to adversity. That was my main thing. It was just like, all right, well, I'm going to go here now. You know, when I left TW, um, my, I guess it was, um, when I went to, commerce so i still had a year of eligibility um i went Mm -hmm. to commerce and um i was like well okay here we go i'm starting grad school you know like there wasn't a thought in my mind that you know we wouldn't be successful you know and so
1: yeah so then obviously you're you're getting out of college and you're you're diving into the the high school sports world take me back to your first your first gig that first stop um way back when when you first got out of out of commerce
0: So, my first uh, head high school job, I was at Tioga High School and I was teaching chemistry, IPC, physics. Um, I was basically starting the softball program. Um, They hadn't really had um, a program that was, you know, lead up. It was basically a lead up startup program. And um, when I took that over, it was like, oh my gosh, I finally realized what I was getting myself into because I was so used to, playing at such a high level at the college level that I had to really think about how I explained things and the cues that I had Mm -hmm. to, um, use to coach, you know, people that weren't of my highest level, you know, um, you know, just the different ways that you explain stuff. So whenever I got that job, I was really stressed out because I was like, man, do I suck as a coach? (laughs) I, I don't, (laughs) you know, I'm, I'm trying to explain it the best way I know possible. And I was like, okay, Haley, you're just going to have to, you know, take it a step back and like really, really think about how you were when, you know, you were in high school and, you know, other coaches explained it to you. So um, we were 1A whenever I started that job. And we ended up since we were in the 2A district, so there wasn't enough 1A teams. So we were by default in the 2A district. um, We were district champs for 1A, but, you know, like, realistically, we weren't really district champs because we were in the 2A district we were the only team in you know in 1A so that was my first playoff experience and it was really cool to see all the girls like come together and like get excited for it too like they they, they had passion in the game and you know it was a fun learning experience for sure
1: and correct me if I'm wrong but you also won a state championship as a volleyball coach in your first year
0: Yes. So the (laughs) (laughs) Tioga was actually like really known for their volleyball program. And, um, I had such a great time as assistant. I played, you know, I played high school volleyball and, you know, I, I knew the game, but, you know, as that head volleyball coach, like she really, really taught me the game of volleyball. And so like, I learned so many drills and like different tactics and, you know, it was, it was really fun. Like, especially who, who wants to go and win a, uh, like a dish or a state championship, your first year of coaching, like, That was amazing. (laughs) I was like, this is a dream. A lot of people do
1: this for like 30 years and they never, never even, maybe even taste a state championship game. And there you are in year one and you've already got one under your belt. That's got to be really cool.
0: I know. And it was, it was a total team effort. And I, you know, it was this, it was like, wow, like this is what it's about. This is really cool. You know?
1: Well, and also when you were there, uh, you also got to, or had to, I'm not sure you, you phrase however you want it. Um, middle school basketball too.
0: Oh, yes. I I, uh, I had to. <laughs> I played basketball in high school, too, so I knew the game. But, you know, when you're coaching middle school and you're taking it down to the different <laughs> levels, it's just it's so much different. Like you truly have to have, you know, middle school coaches are really, really important because they teach the game, they teach the skills and they introduce the game to a lot of students. And, you know, oftentimes it can make or break, you know, a student's love for the game. So I tried to just do my best as a middle school basketball coach, you know, like that wasn't really what. I signed up to do, but, you know, I was like, okay, I'm doing this. You know, I was a team player. I only had to do yeah, it for a couple you. games, like, fill in, but I was like, okay, like, this is fun, you know?
1: Yeah, for sure. Well, I think of when we do, like, uh, camps and things like that, and the middle school kids are around... And, uh, and, and sometimes I do during the summer, we do have this like summer transition program for like incoming freshmen. So you're hanging out with basically eighth graders all summer. And it's just like, it's, it's kind of a different world. And, and I remember my first year teaching, I also was at the middle school level. And um, there's this uh, quote, it's from, I think it's from the dark night. Yeah, it's from the dark night. And it's uh the, his like assistant guys telling him that um, some men just want to watch the world burn. And I was like, that kind of explains for me <laughs> what a lot of middle school boys were like. And so um, I bless the hearts of anybody who coaches middle school. It's, it's kind of a different experience, but I think it's really good because what you were mentioning, you know, going back to even just the idea of cues when you first got into coaching at Tioga and then to add in the middle school part of it, it really, I think, helps us as coaches to go through that experience because it does force you to... Really take a step back from the high level that you're used to, especially coming straight out of college to have to slow down and try to figure out how do I get this kid to do, you know, whatever movement I am trying to make him do or make her do. But I can't explain it the way I would have had explained to me as a college coach. and So I think it's a really important experience for people to go through.
0: Right. And I noticed that I have a um, 13-year-old brother. And so whenever he was going through youth sports, you know, I would come home like since I played at TW, like I was only about 45 minutes from home. And so like on the weekdays that I didn't have class or practice, you know, I would come home and I would help him. And sometimes I would get frustrated and my dad would be like, Haley, he's only eight. And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right. (laughs) I'm like, okay, right, right, you know, and so, like, it, it was definitely, it's definitely a learning experience, shout out to all the middle school coaches for sure, like, they definitely have a lot, have to have a lot of patience and, like, love for, you know, the students and the game and really teach them, you know, like, this is what you're looking for, this is the skill, because, you know, when I walked into TW and I said, all right, get your bat head through the zone faster, um, they're like, <laughs> okay, well, what's the zone, and I was like, oh, okay, you know, let me back up, you know, so.
1: Yeah, it's it's an important an important experience for people to learn how to slow down. So obviously, you go from there uh, and you head over to Whitesboro, which is where you you obviously spent the last few years. So um, can you kind of get into how that job came about, and then just kind of share what what kind of what Whitesboro is all about, what the community is like, that sort of thing.
0: So when I first started at Whitesboro. Um... I came into a program that had prior success and they were just going through a little rebuilding phase. And I knew what I had coming up because I was from the area and, um, I knew that I wanted to move up from Tioga. So whenever that softball job came open, it was also a physical education teaching job. And I was like, wow, this is kind of dream job. You know, like there's not a lot of physical education teaching positions out there. And so I also knew, you know, Wadsboro is a great school district, and whenever I started there, I knew that I was going to have to really build the program.
1: And that's kind of a different stop from where you were before. It's kind of a different experience. So you're coming to a program that had had success previously, kind of going mm-hmm. through struggle a little bit when you came in. So when you walk in the building kind of day one, like, or, or maybe even earlier, like, Colo, you've got the job. What were your first steps when you took over? Like, what was the first things you were doing when you became the head coach?
0: the first year it was really just like all about building relationships and getting to know the people who I was working for and who was working with me as my assistants and, you know, just building relationships with the kids, building the trust, you know, letting them know my coaching style, personality, um, et cetera, and really having them buy into, you know, what my philosophy is moving forward because at Whitesboro, I was also assistant volleyball. And so I got to know, um, you know, how the kids preferred to be coached because the freshman group that I had on, um, I knew that when I came to Wattsboro, I knew that the freshman group that I had was going to be a really good softball group as well. You know, most of my volleyball freshman kids were, you know, um, they had played travel ball, et cetera. So like I knew, um, I had to build that relationship with them in order, you know, for us to be successful in the next coming years.
1: Yeah, and you spent you ended up spending 4 years there uh, four seasons there i guess as the kind of head softball coach and um obviously looking at records and things like that you you had a ton of success um you you won a ton of games, uh, competed in the playoffs and for district championships and everything like that. So, um, what do you attribute that kind of success to over four years? Because it's it's one thing to have like okay, we had a year that was really good and then we're you know back to struggling again. But obviously, you helped build that program back up to what it had been previously and sustained it for those four years. So, what were the kind of the main things that you kind of attribute that to?
0: Well, I talked about a second ago about building relationships with the kids. And I just, Mm -hmm. you know, you just can't do that enough, you know, like, um, just let the kids know that you have a personality, but you know, at the end of the day, when you step on that dirt or you step in that weight room, you know, on that court, like, you know, I blow that whistle, like it's time to go to work. Um, and you know, I think there's a, there has to be a fine line between, you know, like, um, loving on the kids and then also giving them tough love. So as I was at Whitesboro, I constantly built relationships with the kids. Um, and then going in after our first season, you know, we didn't win a whole lot of games. We didn't really have much pitching. Um, and that freshman group was really, you know, the driving force behind, you know, like I kept preaching to them, you're the future of this program. Like, you know, we have to build this. And it starts with you. You're the freshman group, you know, you have a passion for the game and it starts with you. And I just kept, you know, coaching them into you're the future of the program. And so when sophomore, you know, their sophomore year rolled around um, my second year there, I was like, okay, like it's, it's, it's showtime, you know, we have a really good pitcher and, you know, that had instilled a lot of confidence in them when we had, we had a really good pitcher. And so they were more motivated to um, play hard and get to practice ready to work, you know, cause, um, I'm not gonna lie. It's really, really hard to, um, coach without a pitcher, you know? And mm-hmm. so I had to build one and constantly, you know, um, talk them up. But as our second year progressed, um, we finished fourth in playoffs and, you know, like every year, you know, the last four years I was there, we, we got better. You know, and I I talked to my assistant coaches and, you know, they were on board with it. And it's it's not just um, you can't do it just by yourself. Like you have to have everybody, even the community on board. So third year rolls around and, you know, like. We that was the COVID year, so we missed out on that year. And then mm-hmm. this past season, um, it was my that freshman group senior year, and you know, they were like, All right, we missed our season last year, you know, like it's we have to do it, like this is it. And so, like, I really, I really appreciated you know the buy in to that freshman group, and you know, I, the future of the program is is you know, successful because of that group, like, they just refuse to be average.
1: Well, in, in softball, so, uh, you know, obviously I coach baseball, but the, one of the things that you just hit is, is so true, the idea of pitching. And so, um, it, it's, it's really interesting because as on, on a baseball team, especially in high school, you, you know, you have to at least have three people that are going to start on the mound each week, basically. Right. And so then you need, right. and then you also need relief pitchers and stuff like that. And softball is really different in that regard. And that when you have, I guess when you don't have a really good pitcher, it's, almost impossible to win like over the course of a season it's it's really really difficult whereas in baseball you can kind of hide guys you can you can use a lot of different pitchers and give other teams different looks and try to find ways around that but uh man softball if you don't have if you don't have someone who can throw it you're you're in a world of hurt
0: Right. Exactly. And, and, and unfortunately it doesn't start in high school. Like, you know, you have to actually (laughs) work, you know? And so like, that was one of the things when I came to Wartsboro, I knew what I already had coming up, you know? And so like, I was already from the community, you know, like I had a low key already scoped it out a little bit. And so, um, I basically lived off of one pitcher for, you know, we lived off of one pitcher for the last four years. And, you know, mm-hmm. this last season we had a incoming freshman, you know, that could throw too. And so we had to utilize her and, you know, she's going to grow into um, to be, you know, really good, you know, as the years progress. But like, like you said, like softball, man, you have to have, you know, a real like a decent pitcher.
1: From Whitesboro, now we're into a new role. So can you kind of talk about how that decision came about and where you are now?
0: So I um, loved my time at Whitesboro. I wasn't actively looking for a new job. You know, I still had my picture um, that I had the last three years at Whitesboro. And I got a phone call from um Coach Worrell, he's he was from Brock. He was the head football coach at Brock. And um I got a phone call from him and he was like, Hey, you wanna come down here to El Campo? And I was like, Where the heck is El Campo? I (laughs) didn't even know where it was. And I he was telling me about the program and you know, I talked to my athletic director at Whitesboro and he was like, Well, he's like, You should probably just go, you know, see, you know. And um I didn't apply for the job. I just kind of came down here and you know, I looked at the facilities and, you know, the weighed the pros and cons. And I was like, well, you know, this might not be a bad decision. So that's kind of how I fell into this job.
1: <laughs> that's pretty amazing that your athletic director was that on board. I've, I've heard other stories, usually off air of athletic directors being uh, being quite the opposite when coaches would mention ideas of, of possibly moving or not even moving like you're mentioning, just just kind of walking down there and looking at it for a second.
0: Oh, right. Yeah. And my athletic director at Whitesboro, he is great. He uh, he was kind of a young guy himself, so he understood. And he talked to me about how, you know, in, in his younger coaching years, like he kind of um, had to jump around with different opportunities. And, you know, he explained that he would never hold me back, you know, like it's a step up. And so he was – obviously he didn't want to lose me. But at the end of the day, he was like, you should – if Chad World calls you, you probably want to go check it out. So,
1: yeah. kidding. So what was it? So give me like top two or three things at El Campo that you saw when you went down there that you thought like, yes, this is this is something I should consider.
0: So one of the things that really sold me on the job down here is the fact that the program um, has kids in it that play select ball year round. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's closer to the Houston Metroplex area. And I know that Houston is a huge um, select softball hub. So there's a ton of talent down here in the Houston area and there's a ton of, um, tournaments. And so when coach Worrell was talking to me about, you know, like the talent and like the program itself was another thing. The program itself has had success in the past. Like they win district, you know, um, almost every year. And so like, it's already a president, you know, that they, they win and, you know, like the program has success. So I was like, and I'm not used to coming from a school where I have multiple pictures and, you know, like not all the kids play select ball. I had like one or two kids that play select ball. So the level of talent up here or down here is just, you know, it's, it's much uh, like, I guess there's more of a ray of talent, you know?
1: Sure. Yeah, it sounds like it's it's a it's a place that's going to be filled with people who are softball players and not oh, sure. not as much people who play softball. We, and I, I do have a question. So, in um, it's different all over, and, and depending on sports too, and, and softball may be a little bit different too. In in Texas for summertime, is there any sort of um, expectation from schools that you, as a high school softball coach, run a high school? softball like summer program or is everyone kind of on board with playing the select ball
0: so in texas like the uil rules won't really let me coach them in the summer okay. um at at all and so um that's how that's how they play in the summer is through the select ball um okay Yeah. So um, per UIL rules, we can't like actively coach them. Now I have gone and watched my kids play, you know, in their tournaments, but you know, like they're being coached by their select ball coaches so
1: yeah I mean up here it's 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 the it's the opposite like we're allowed to do we're allowed to coach our summer teams and so up here there's almost like an expectation where if you're not doing it your kids are getting left behind so different worlds
0: right that that would be so awesome but you know I mean the kids also want a break too so Uh
1: uh-huh yeah
0: but I mean they get tired of our voices right yeah and so like also (laughs) it's it's um they just need like a different you know coach you know like they're just so used to us, you know. At the high school level, sometimes like you coach multiple sports, and so sometimes um, I'm sure that they're like, "Oh, it's kind of nice to have a different coach," you know.
1: <laughs> hmm. Yeah, for sure. So, and they learn different things from different coaches. We all have different strengths, and I think it's good too. I, you know, we have there, you know, up here, like I said, you know, a lot of a lot of the expectation, of course, is that we run our own high school programs, and so then you get into some, you know, sticky situations where there are some coaches that really get upset maybe if you as a player decide to play for like a select team or a travel team or a legion team or something like that and i've had this conversation on here before but i'm i I, i'm i almost wish we were kind of like you guys were in texas where we couldn't coach our kids in high school because i think it's really important for them to go and learn from other coaches and hear other voices and, and just get experiences outside of of us because i think we're all, you know, we have our strengths and things like that. And who knows what we might be missing out on and helping kids. And like going back to you talking about cues earlier, like even maybe they find a coach that has cues that work a little bit better for them in that situation and they come back better. And I don't know. I think there's positive. Oh, for sure.
0: Um, And that just goes back to like when I was in college, you know, I played for multiple coaches. And so like I took different – now as a coach, I've taken different things, you know, that I liked and disliked and I've used it you know, towards my high school girls. And I do the same thing with strength and conditioning, I'll reach out to many strength and conditioning coaches uh, of multiple sports. And I just try to constantly learn from them too.
1: Well, that's the other part. So you at El Campo, can you go into what you do uh, during the school day itself?
0: So during the school day itself, I have um, freshman girls athletics. And then for the next two class periods, I teach a personal finance class. And then I go back to um, varsity or fourth period girls athletics. And then the rest of the day, I teach personal finance. So um, in first and fourth period, I run the strength and conditioning part of it. Um, so I build all the programs for our girls side of the sports in the weight room
1: so correct me if I'm wrong but I've heard so far from from day one chemistry physics (laughs) PE personal finance and now strength and conditioning as well
0: yeah 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 yeah. it's uh (laughs) different (laughs) it's like from one end of the spectrum to the other kind of but it's all you know it all works out you know
1: yeah, so the the strength and conditioning side—that's that's an interesting part of it too, uh, because you know obviously then you're working. I would assume, of course, with with all girls, um, not just just softball girls, right? So um, mm-hmm. let's let's get into into the weight room a little bit. What's your what's the weight room facility like that you run?
0: So we are actually building a brand new weight, in, weight room, Ooh, um, okay. which had, oh my gosh, it's, it's crazy. It's going to be so nice. Um, so right now we're kind of in the building phase of that. We have a um, weight room that's just kind of out of date and um, we're, we're building a new one for more space and can fit more athletes and multiple, multiple sports in one big area.
1: It sounds awesome. I know uh, Derek Smith was on way back when, and he's they're they're trying to get one built at his high school right now, and they've got all these plans for, it, and it just looks incredible. And I think I I think you know again all all sports do things differently, all high schools do things differently, all states do things differently, but um, I just think there's something so. So important for kids when they walk into a high school weight room, if it's, if, and like you guys are building one, which is awesome. So when you walk into a facility that looks like the school or the district cares about it, I think it just adds in this extra feeling when a kid walks in of like, okay, this is important. Like they've put money into this thing. Like this is a really important place for me to be right now.
0: Oh, for sure. And, you know, like our facilities, um, haven't really been updated. And so like the kids are so excited to get into that new re- weight room. Like I can't tell you how many times they've already asked me like, well, when are we getting in there? Like, when is it <laughs> going to be built? You know, and like the rain has um, pushed it back a little bit, but you know, like the girl side for sure is so excited to be in there. They've really bought into the weight room. And, you know, whenever I first got this job, um, I also kind of just fell in the strength and conditioning um, position. It wasn't, it wasn't, you know, like I coach world didn't bring me down here for head softball strength and conditioning. And um, then it was kind of just like a icing on the cake type thing. I was like already interested in strength and conditioning because um, back at home in North Texas, I was on the DFW strength and conditioning round table. And so I, actively sought out you know mentors during that time and I go to conferences and conventions so I already had a passion for it and then coach war was like well do you want to run the girl string and conditioning side and I was like heck yeah I do that would be so awesome and so um whenever I got here he was like well the girls have never lifted weights before and I was like okay okay so I had to really think about you know reach out to my mentors and think about How And I was just going back to, you know, like, okay, Haley, you have to think about them being at a middle school training. So, I mean, the cues and everything, I think that I find myself thinking back to that first Tioga job, like, all right, some of the things that I explained in the weight room that my kids at Whitesboro already knew, these kids here don't know. So I had to really, I have to really take it step by step. And, um, I started with explaining to them the why behind the weight room, you know, like injury prevention, mobility, how we do things, why we do things. And I think that instead of just going straight into the weight room and just pounding out the weights, like it's the kids actually enjoy it. And they seem to work a little bit harder when they understand the why, why are we doing this, you know? type stuff.
1: Well, it fits in a lot with like how, how coaching is a lot of times now as well, where I I think when we think back to like old school, uh, maybe even when we both played, we didn't necessarily always know the why it was just this is we're doing it because coach says we're doing it right today's today's student is much more interested in understanding why before they do something I think that's a a, actually a huge positive of today's student athlete but um, it's that same sort of concept where even within our sport if I'm going to have our kids like if I'm teaching leads and how we're going to take our lead and our secondary and our our return i'm gonna to explain to them like here's why we do it this way just so you know and, oh okay great it makes sense instead of right. the old school way that we were kind of taught probably which was just here's how we take our leads ready go
0: right and and i've i've talked to my kids about that softball specific you know like at when i was at um in the summer a couple of seasons um i was a Uh, what do you call it? Like a camp instructor for OU. And so Mm -hmm. I would go in the summer to learn from, you know, work with the OU coaching staff and the players and learn how they do things. And, you know, like that's a national championship team. And so I took a lot of things that, you know, a lot of coaches don't talk about from there. And, you know, one of the light bulb things for me was um, when you run straight down through first base and, you know, like as an athlete, I was always taught to when you run through first base to curve off to the side. And then when I got to OU, they explained it as in whenever you run through first base, decelerate as fast as possible and then turn your head look to the left because why are we peeling off to the right side? If the ball's to the left side, that's where the ball is, you know? And so to take advantage of that next next base. And then another thing was crow hops. You know, why are we crow hopping all the way, you know, vertical when we need to crow hop out, you know, and like take a little bit hop out of it, you know? And so some of those things, you know, like explaining the why and, you know, like this is how it's always done. You know, when I went to OU, like it was just like, we don't do it like that anymore. And I was like, oh my gosh, this makes so much sense. And I feel like, you know, sometimes the kids are like, wow, this makes so much sense. You know, why didn't we do this sooner, you know? Yeah, and no, I, I, even, I even feel like that sometimes, too. Like, wow, why have I taught it like this? This makes so much, you know? Uh-huh. And so that's that's how we just learn, you know?
1: Exactly. That's what I was just going to say is that's uh, that's what happens to me a lot of times, especially with the advent of Twitter. I'm just kidding. But with, with Internet and stuff and being able <laughs> to watch videos and see colleges and how they do things and, and camps and things like that. Yeah, that happens to me a lot where it's like, oh, my gosh, like, why – why have I been teaching this other way? I couldn't even explain it to you, uh, right, but it's just—it's exactly. really cool.
0: In uh, like a, during COVID.
1: Oh no, go for it.
0: Oh, sorry. I was just going to say, like during COVID, when we have like the dugout chatters and all of those, you know, like Zoom meetings, I learned so much from different baseball and softball coaches that I actively use today, like in the weight room and you know with my basketball athletes and softball athletes. I just learned so much during that time of COVID. So that's all I was going to yeah, say. Yeah, and that's.
1: Well, yeah, and that's the that's the cool part. So, again, going back to you as a as a strength and conditioning coordinator, you you know, you have the ability to impact girls across all sports. And one of the cool things and maybe this is common and we're just weird up here in Oregon, which I know we are in a lot of in a lot of different ways. <laughs> but um, when you had mentioned before that you are the girls strength and conditioning coordinator, that's the first time I've heard of that at the at the high school level of having it having it split up that way.
0: Oh, yeah. So, like, um, at the bigger schools, they usually have at least two or three. So, like, 5A, 6A in Texas. Some of them just have one strength and conditioning coach, or they might have, like, two or three. Um, and they split the sports up because there's so many sports and there's so much programming that goes into it. Um, so, as far as me, uh, I just do basketball, volleyball, softball, soccer, and track right now. So.
1: hmm well, that's a good way to break it down and make it smaller because that was, again, leading into my next idea was the idea of programming and how you, um, you know, once you you teach the basics and you talked about, you know, the why and everything. But then at some point, obviously, the girls are, it's time to work out, right? It's time to, it's time to lift and get stronger and, and faster and stuff. And so then, obviously, programming becomes part of it because, um, you know, there's certain things as an athlete of one sport that you need maybe more than an athlete as another sport. Um, and so kind of, what's your philosophy when you look at, at programming and and how you tend to do it?
0: Well, um, the last nine weeks, you know, we've basically just been working, you know, block zero stuff like learning. I think one of the things that also gets missed in, you know, when you walk into a new school is like, you have to evaluate the culture and like how they've always done things. And, you know, like whenever they walked into the weight room, um, I was like, all right, this is how we're going to do it. and you know, they hadn't, they didn't know anything different. So there's pros and cons, um, to it, you know, like there's a pro because I get, we get to create it, you know, how we want to create it because they've never known anything else, you know, like, so we're setting the standard, this is how we're going to do it. And, you know, they do it well now, you know, over the last nine weeks for the girls that were here for summer strength and conditioning, you know, they kind of helped the other girls out that didn't come to strength and conditioning. So, um, whenever I evaluate a program or I start programming, I basically just take it week by week. I, I have to, because, you know, some kids aren't going to get like their movement is not going to be the same. So it's also like individualized sometimes, like some athletes are going to be more advanced, m- their mobility and movements going to be a little better. So I have to accommodate and modify um, some of the lifts for some other athletes. If that makes sense. So like hand yeah, cleans, yeah. you know, like, hand cleans are going to have to be, you know, brought down a scale level, you know, like, um, squats are going to have to be, uh, you know, brought down a little bit, for I'm um, like, uh, dumbbells, or, you know, barbells, etc. Like, there's different variations. And, you know, I think that sometimes that might get overlooked um, with, you know, like, oh, you know, squat, you know, there's so many different uh, different for squat that you can also utilize. You know, there's not just one way to do something and work your muscles. There's um, other ways to do it and still get the gains.
1: <laughs> yeah. And I, I I, just I really like the way that your school has decided to, to do that because I know Um, like up here in Oregon, for example, uh, a a weight training class is what you you would end up taking. Um, It's just, it's everybody. And it's, you'll have athletes in there of all different sports. Um, You'll have, you'll have non-athletes in there who just want to, you know, take a weight training class. And so um, I just, I I think of our own strength and conditioning coaches in my own school and our own schools. And I think of just like, it's, it's an impossible job. Uh, And so at least not saying yours is, is, is totally possible too, but at least you're, Right. You're working in a realm that is much more manageable and probably much more impactful on the, the people that you get to have in that class every single day.
0: Oh, for sure. And, you know, like the kids, like they ask me questions like, hey, is my form right? And one of the things that I do in the weight room is um, I have them set up in stations. And um, so there's partners of two or three. Well, there's um, like there's an auxiliary main lift. But that if we have stations of three, or, you know, like there's an auxiliary, that person that's done with their lift, or maybe I mil, uh, build it in for like power cleans. And then there there's no other auxiliary for um, that other main lift. That kid is sitting there or not really sitting, but she's standing there and she's um, pointing out, she's looking at the cues that I've taught them. Maybe I give them two or three cues to look at. And essentially that makes our coach's job easier because we can't, make sure that every we we walk around we coach but like if i can teach the athletes how to coach it you know like it's just 10 times easier if they can look at that athlete and see their form and kind of like x-ray vision see what they're doing wrong or you know how they need to fix it they can coach them and tell them what they're doing wrong or right or you know positive reinforcement
1: yeah well it's i mean it's a lot like it's like teaching any class it's a lot like coaching sports right where you if you can teach people how to be leaders and and be extra coaches or extra teachers within the classroom or the weight room or or on the field you're you're multiplying all of your coaches by a million because like you said as a coach or especially as a strength and conditioning coach right you're in the weight room but you can't possibly be seeing every single person at the same time and answering questions and helping and and fixing form and, and just being that person who can be at every single person's, you know, call all the time. And so you have to have people in the class who can step up and help each other out. And so when you create that culture, again, going back to the idea of, of culture and how weight rooms kind of play into that. um, It's just, it makes such a huge difference.
0: Right. And I do that with the softball players too. I, I just had a thrival skill um, PowerPoint, um, meeting with them on Tuesday and I was talking to them about confidence and, you know, I said, I'm going to coach you through some of our athletes. And, you know, I talked to them about like, sometimes if I have a higher caliber, um, athlete, you know, like that has the skill down or drilled down more efficiently, I might say, Hey, so-and-so, can you go help so-and-so with, you know, this drill and talk to her about this? And, you know, like it's, it's huge when you can utilize those type of athletes and those type of kids and students, um, to help other kids. Cause if they can explain it, you you know, that they know how to do it, you know? So it's almost like yeah, in definitely. the classroom I'm checking for understanding, but in the softball or weight room, I'm also checking for understanding that they can describe the skill.
1: Yeah. And so then, you, you know, you were hired this past summer, uh, at El Campo. So you're, you're entering into the, you know, that first year as the head softball coach there. So, um, you kind of let us in there. Let's keep going. Um, you're, you're, Obviously, you know, going back to the idea of trying to build relationships, so we know that's a big component of what you're doing in the offseason, but um, what are your what are you trying to get done between now and the, the spring in terms of just um, as, uh, trying to set the standards for your players and trying to build the program and relationships and everything like that?
0: So outside of building relationships, I'm trying to get to know the kids, you know, what Um, their strengths and weaknesses are, you know, who they are as a program and, you know, what do they want to see happen. So on Tuesday I had them um, do a few goal setting. What are they looking forward to? Like, I want their feedback, you know, like, it's just not me being, you know, I'm not a dictator at all. And I talk to my kids all the time about like, we, we are doing this together. Like, you know, I'm not, you don't play for me. Like we play together as one. And so, um, like, I just, I just talked to them constantly about, you know, like our goals and, you know, what we have. I said, you know, the first day I showed up here, I said, um, I got hired so we can go win a state championship and they, they lost it. Like they were so excited because, you know, like it was just, it was just so funny because I was like, I'm not, I didn't come here for my health. I came here so we can go win a state championship. And it's just, it's just fun to like get to see their personalities, like constantly grow. And, Um, One of the things is outside, like I was getting off track, sorry, but one of the things like outside of building relationships is just evaluating them, evaluating their skills, see what they know, um, see what I need to teach them and um, getting knowledge of the game. I think the knowledge of the game is one of the hardest parts to teach, because although some of them play select ball all the time, like they it's almost like it's just like robotics, like they know what to do, but they're not. I need to teach them how to think ahead. That's that's one of the things that I think separates a lot of really good programs from great programs is thinking ahead, knowing what's next, knowing the scenarios. What if this happens? This happens. And we just talked about that again on Friday. So
1: That is one of the biggest things that our staff has talked about when we, and I think it was um, multiplied after the COVID year and just kind of being away for a year and then coming back is that it it's almost like for our own program it's almost like a bunch of our players have never gone to a baseball game and like sat in the stands and watched and like high level so college or professional and 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 talked through what's happening in the game and it's like it, we we're, we t- we almost want to go on like a field trip to a baseball game and just sit with yeah. our players and talk through everything and be like, okay, what should they be doing now? What's this? What's how's this happening? Because I think in in a practice, like once you get into the season, I think it's really hard to to like coach that part of the game because I mean, yeah, it, there's just, not time. Going to-
0: There's just no time. And like, you can't actively teach that in practice, because it's all scenario based, because you can slow the game down and practice and actually teach it. But as far as like, watching a game, that's one of the things I actually do. I had it on my schedule to do like I was going to take my Whitesboro girls to go watch a Texas A&M Commerce, UNT, like I was trying to take them to a college game. And whenever all the COVID stuff Hit. Um, mm. We didn't get to go, and so I I love the idea of taking kids to a game. It's funny that you said that because um, I've always wanted to do that. It just has it just hasn't worked out. Um, I at Whitesboro I had a lot of kids that did FFA, so the schedule also conflicted. You know, so but I think taking kids to a game would benefit hugely. You know, like because they they watch the game, they love the atmosphere, but like they don't actually. A lot of times athletes don't actually like know, you know, like they don't know what's happening or what to expect or they don't think about the scenarios. They just think like people or it's like, how am I trying to explain it? So if I have a center fielder, like she just assumes that the right fielder and left fielder know what to do instead of, right. you know, like, Hey, if this happens, you know, like they should already have a plan in place you know, I, and I talked to my kids a Friday about that, like thinking ahead. And we also talked about positive, um, one of our, uh, assistant coaches, she, she hit it hard. She said that, you know, have positive words before negative words, you know, if something happens, you know, like, Hey, you should have been there to back up or whatever, you know, say like, Hey, make sure you're backing up. We got a runner here, blah, blah, blah. And so like, I think that's huge too is, players oftentimes get mad at each other, but they didn't tell each other what to do, like try to alleviate the error.
1: And I think that's why going and like physically going to the game is so much more beneficial than watching it on TV because for any sport. Like I'm thinking just in my head, it's football season, right? So if when I turn a football game on today, we're recording this on a Saturday. So when I turn some college football on today, I'm going to be able to oh. see whatever the camera shows me. I'm not going to see everything else that's happening. And then obviously in baseball and softball, it's multiplied by a lot because when you're watching on TV, you can see three people, you've got a pitcher, a catcher and a batter and that's it. So you have no, no feeling of like what's going on behind them. And that's where the game is actually being played. And oh. so that's right. Why, you know, just having them at the field would be would be so cool, and I'm trying to figure out how we might be able to do that.
0: And also, too, it it gets them in a it it helps the kids see like you know the kids aren't the athletes at the college level are not going through the motions like you know they have hustle and bustle when they like they um on and off between the chalk. You know that was one of the things that we said at Wattsboro, On and off between the chalk, you're hustling on, you're hustling off, and you're hustling between the chalk um you know and I think sometimes the players just take it for granted a lot like they jog to their positions etc but I think going to a college game or a higher level caliber game it kind of just gets them excited and motivates them a little bit more and you know I I used to get so excited going to college world series like I would just Want to be one of those players? Like everything that they did, I tried to do myself, (laughs) you know. And so it's just it's just something fun for the team to do. Also, team building exercise.
1: Yeah, for sure. Well, yeah, because then you're hanging out and and talking and having a good time too, which always helps. Um, I think a lot of times we look for like big, grand ideas for amazing team building things, and I think a lot of times it's just what can you do to put the team around each other and just force them to hang out. (laughs) I think that builds team as much as anything else does.
0: Yeah, for sure. And, you know, like um, just understand how they can talk to one each other, you know, get get a good feeling of each other's personalities. Because I don't know, you know, I, I know a lot of teams aren't friends outside of, you know, the softball or whatever. But, you know, a lot of teams that I've been a part of, we were actually friends like outside. And so, you know, it doesn't. It doesn't, um, it's not a bad thing if you're not friends outside of your sport, but at the end of the day, you know, like, remember that you're all playing together for a one common goal. So, you know, you have to act actively try to build those relationships with, you know, like your bosses or, you know, coworkers, assistant coaches. And so I try to do that myself with my assistant coaches. And so my athletes see that. So I'm trying to model it and tell them why we're doing things.
1: Well, and I think with, um, I hate to blame like social media or cell phones or anything like that. But I think we're also in this weird environment too, where um, not only can teammates, you know, maybe not be friends or like hang out outside of the team, which is whatever, that's fine. But um, then you also add in the part where they can kind of actively be subversive and uh, communicate behind each other's backs and say things that aren't great. And so um, I just think anything we can do, you know, to get, to get these kids together and help them just talk and hang out and see that they're all, they're all friends or, or at least maybe not friends, like you said, but at least they're, they're, they're friendly. And I think, I think some of the best teams I've ever played on, certainly the best teams that I ever had as a coach were all kids who genuinely liked each other and liked to hang out and they did hang out. And uh, it just makes such a huge difference in the culture. And then just turning, turning here near the end to, to, Growth, and um, I don't know on Twitter if there's anyone who um, kind of embodies the idea of of professional growth more than you. And just trying to keep track of all the different things you're part of is almost impossible to understand. Um, so I'll keep it. I'll keep it to one, probably. Um, I know Texas High School Coaches Association is something that you're really, really deeply involved in, and especially the Rock Mentee program. Can you kind of introduce that to folks like, like most of us who aren't part of that and aren't sure what that is.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the THSCA is a program that, or it's an organization that um, all Texas high school coaches can be a part of if they want to be a part of it. And what it is, is this a, it's an opportunity for all the Texas high school coaches. And even, even if you're not a Texas high school coach some coaches out of state come to it for networking but we have a convention every single year we have a membership that you can get on um and online you can post like job postings and all kinds of stuff so you're actively it's just a community to get together where you learn from each other network and every year we have a um Convention and this year we had fifteen thousand people. I think maybe sixteen thousand of coaches to come together and there's seminars hosted for each sport, strength and conditioning, etc. There's a huge hall that um, you can go to to buy equipment or get information about equipment. It's just a really cool organization to be a part of, um, and Texas is very lucky to have it. I think that's one of the things that sets Texas apart is we do have the THSCA as far as the rock mentorship program, um, I got a phone call from an athletic director from Rockwell. He's now at um, Geyer and he asked me to be a part of it. And I wasn't, um, I didn't really know what it was. I was like, yeah, sure. You know, because as our resume shows, like I want to constantly learn, I'm up to, you know, anything that can help me grow, I'm going to do it. And so when he asked me to be a part of it, I didn't really know what I was getting myself into. I knew that I was going to get a mentor and (laughs) I was going to be a mentee. And so I was super excited and then whenever we got the mentorship, whenever we got into it, there's, I think, maybe 18 people, like, total. And I was like, wow, like, this is going to be an amazing experience. My mentor is Grace McDowell from Frisco ISD, and um, she she's just awesome. And so I've built a relationship with her over the past year, and we talk at least, like, twice a month. So... The Rock Mentorship Program is a cool program to to it's an opportunity for coaches that are in their younger years of their profession. So it's like one through five years of experience um, to get mentored and kind of keep coaches in the profession. Because, as you know, like we're in a teaching coaching um, shortage. So it's just a way to keep those good coaches, you know, getting the mentorship that they need and keep them within THSCA.
1: Well, yeah. And a lot of coaches, like you were kind of alluding to at the end there, a lot of coaches, as you've probably seen too, where it's like the coaching profession is really split. It's really, it's kind of bizarre. There's, there's the coaches that have been around forever. They're really old and they've been doing this forever and they're, they're, they've got it all figured out basically. I mean, not all figured out, but I mean, they've been doing it for a long time and they're great. And then you have kind of this, a, a young core that keeps turning over where
0: It's Mm -hmm. like
1: people start coaching and after five, six years, they kind of fizzle out and then they're done. And then, you know, a new person comes in and same thing. It's like, it's kind of like the wheels are churning and there's this, this, and because I think there's so much that we're pressure under, there's so much that is part of this job that I don't think people really realize they're signing up for until you're a head high school coach. And it's really hard to understand until you are. And uh, I think programs like that are so important because you all of a sudden have an ability to to share these thoughts and and struggles and whatnot. And somebody who's been doing it for a while can help you, I don't want to say talk you down from a cliff, but can help you understand that everybody goes through this. There's challenges and difficulties, but at the end of the day, like this is a really worthwhile pursuit.
0: Oh, for sure. And um, one of the things that I constantly do as a person is I, what am I trying to say here? Like I actively seek out people who I want to learn from. That's what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. And I think that you have to have a little drive and dedication to the actual profession or else you're just going to get lost. You know, um, you have to actively seek out mentors and you really have to dig deep and, you know, decide if you want to be in education and coaching in the long run or if you don't. Because, you know, sometimes I hate to say this, but it's almost like it's kind of like people's fault if they fail because they're not actively seeking out. You not. they're not trying to solve the problem, you know, that they might face. As a young coach, you know, you have to really seek out mentors that can help you grow as a coach and in the profession. Because without some of my mentors, I mean, yeah, like I'm, I wanted, you know, I may not have stayed in coaching had I not um, actively reached out to mentors and, you know, talked to my athletic directors and, you know, people that I trust within the profession. You know, like it's hard. And, You know, if you don't have those sounding boards to talk you through it and give you advice, then, you know, you might be in trouble and you might, you know, end up quitting like such the high turnover rate in the five to six year mark.
1: Yeah. And that's why uh, we jokingly a while back, there's a tweet thing, a kind of thread about parents and issues that people have with parents uh, Mm -hmm. throughout coaching. Most most of them are wonderful. But of course, there's always everybody has a story. And I think a lot of us, maybe if we're in our own little bubble, we don't realize that that happens to everybody, no matter how horrible of a coach you are or how amazing right. of a coach you are. It just doesn't matter. I think it was, I think it was, uh, uh, well, maybe not. I'm not sure. It might be the deal where Coach Sheets kind of says, once once he says something three times, it becomes his. So I'll just credit him with it. But the idea of how like 25% of people don't like you from the start they're not going to like you now, and they're never going to like mm-hmm. you. And so it's just kind of the way it is. But I think so many of us get so hung up on, on what parents might say that it, it does take a toll on us. And if we don't have a sounding board, we don't have people to talk to, um, that alone can break a lot, a lot of us down.
0: Oh, for sure. And, you know, um, at the beginning of every season, I have a parent player meeting and I require the players um, to be there with at least one parent. And I go over the handbook. I I have to show my personality, you know, like I'm not just some hard, tough coach, you know, like I have to show my personality And at the end of the day, I make sure that they know that I do love their kids and like we're in this together. Like we're I don't just do this for my health. You know what I'm saying? Like I I do this because I love the game and I love the kids and you know at the end of the day, like they love their kids too and they want to see them successful and they should want a coach that sees that for themselves as well.
1: Yeah, for sure. Well, it reminds me when you're talking about for your health it reminds you, you know, if if any of us actually wrote down the amount of hours that we worked and divided it by how much we're getting paid just for coaching, we probably make more money doing a lot of other things than this. <laughs> yeah. and so, uh, there's I mean there's so much to be invested in 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 high school athletics beyond Money, obviously. And so I, I just think it's important, like you're saying, for parents to be able to hear that and understand that and, and just know that, that we're there for them. So um, love talking with you. You know, you know how it goes. I want to give you the mic one more time. And, and just if there's anything we missed, anything that you think would be valuable, or if you just want to shout out people, doesn't matter, whatever you want to do, just <laughs> kind of have the mic over one more time.
0: I just want to say, uh, you know, I just want to say one quick snippet to, you know, those young coaches that are out there constantly grinding, um, you know, you might not be where you want to be right now, but you know, it'll get better if you actively seek out, um, really dig deep, seek out those mentors that you want to learn from. And don't be afraid to contact people that you don't know, shoot that email, pick up that phone, you know, because at the end of the day, it's all learning experience and just to never stop growing.
1: And so many coaches will respond too, as as you and I have learned just through Twitter alone, uh, that that so many of them you might think, oh, they're 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 really good, they're really popular. They won't respond. Mm-hmm. They will though. Yeah, it's oh, it's pretty amazing sure. how the coaching world takes care of each other. Yes, sir. All right. Well, I appreciate you so much. Uh, as you know, I, I know you 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 get involved with with high school athletics a lot, and like you know, the, the girls you have are really lucky to have you, obviously, and the community is lucky to have you, and so. Appreciate you coming on the show and look forward to to you having a really good spring this year.
0: Thank you so much for having me, back; It's been a pleasure.
1: Didn't I tell you she was awesome? A true rising star in the high school softball world. If you aren't signed up for the weekly newsletter or if you haven't picked up some High School Coaches Club stickers yet, you should definitely do so. Head on over to highschoolcoachesclub.com to get started. And don't forget to leave a rating or a review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. And no matter where you're listening, please hit that subscribe button. And most importantly, if you found any value at all from this episode or any previous episode, please share it on social media to your followers, via email to your fellow coaches, or through the old-fashioned word of mouth. It doesn't matter how you do it. Just find a way to bring a few more listeners in who might benefit. That's how we all get better, and that's how we grow the club. Huge fist bump again to Haley Caldwell for jumping on the call with me. Thanks again to Netting Pros and Driveland Plus for sponsoring the episode. And of course to you for clicking that play button. If you have any recommendations for people who should be guests on the show, be sure to reach out to me, even if that recommendation is you. Follow the club on social media Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at HS Coaches Club. You can follow me on Twitter, at Mr. Max Price, and can reach me via email max at highschoolcoachesclub.com. All right. That's it. That's all I've got. You're awesome. You matter. Thanks for all you do. And as Coach Lee would say, loving you.